0: So this is podcast number one, Zelda Princess Warrior, Life Hacks for Living Full and Dying Well. So when I decided to take time of work before starting treatment for an aggressive cancer, I hoped for six healthy months. I'm three years beyond that now and heading for gap year number four. I've traveled to 14 countries, cycled the length of the UK and the circumference of Iceland. I've run a marathon and walked the Camino twice. And when I go for my scan every three months, the oncologist tells me to keep on doing what I'm doing. It keeps the cancer under control. And I want to find out what is it that I'm doing. People say to me it's a positive attitude, physical activity or diet. Some say faith, others luck, relationships, travel, immune system being held intact, different therapies. And this podcast, I want to explore with different people, what their stance on it could be, and what do they think could be that essence that makes us um, live well. Of course, we'll all come to the conclusion it's a bit of everything. But exploring all of those areas, I think, would be helpful to me and hopefully to our listeners as well. This podcast is sponsored by Leading Edge, experts in high performance. They support leaders, teams, and organizations with transformational change and describe themselves as action leaders, not thought leaders, measuring impact by a shift in performance, not process. I have today as a guest um, Jane. Jane, who has wide expertise in coaching and facilitation. She has her own company, a background in adventure, um, a mother and a partner, and Jane and I were sitting, um, getting ready for an ABBA experience in our um, dress-up, having bellinis, when we started talking about life, and I just knew that Jane would have a lot to offer in terms of um, her stance on some of these topics. So, Jane... I named this podcast Princess Warrior because I think in each person we have a princess, we have a warrior, and we have moments when we want to be treated and be a princess, and others where we just have to be a warrior. Um, I have a sense you have princess and warrior moments you could share with us, and I wonder, anything that comes to mind?
1: Yeah, I I think you're absolutely right. And I think I want to contextualize this as well for myself, that... Mm -hmm. Um, at the age of 53, I decided to adopt a little boy from China who was seven. And um, and that was, you know, seven years ago. So I'm now 60. And so the chance of him uh, leaving home, you know, before I get into my late 70s is probably nil. So, so this idea of how do you live while you're... Uh, you know, you, you've you got these constraints in, in this particular case. And so for me, the warrior piece has always been, was always something I did all my life. It was all the travelling, it was the adventuring, it was doing sort of daring things, uh, you know, like delivering um, supplies to refugees across the Guatemalan border and and always sort of doing things that were well, slightly dangerous, um, certainly in my parents' eyes. But, but, we're just that that inner fire, and so all those types of moments for me are are what a warrior can be, and also being a mother in this setting um is me at being a warrior, and where I really feel it's encapsulated for me is I was actually in Sedona with a mutual friend. We travelled to Sedona like a Thelma and Louise road trip (laughs) and in the middle of Sedona is a statue and it's called Bird Woman and Bird Woman is a woman with a little baby on her back and I was just enraptured by this statue and I felt like it encapsulated this idea of still being the warrior and also, there was a sort of regal aspect to her. This sort of beautiful, regal, calm, um, controlled in some ways, in in charge of her life. Um, and with this little baby in a papoose on the back, she was Bird Woman, and Bird Woman is is who I aspire to be on a on a daily basis. And yes, I love being pampered, and I and. And doing that for myself too. But there's always, in every aspect of our life, I think we can choose to let one or other of those dominate or we yeah. can choose to try to have both. And I like to have both. And I I think of that Bird Woman statue a lot. And I've actually written some stuff around Bird Woman. And I am Bird Woman, <laughs> And um, when we
0: were uh, we were meeting in the cafe before the time, you were speaking about something that in that line resonated so well with me, and that was when we went to the ABBA concert, you um, were explaining to your son why you two couldn't at that moment have the time he wanted together. Um, tell us a bit about that, because I just found that was so amazing at how it's always this, it's the Princess Warrior, it's also the, the tear we have each moment with our loved ones.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it's true. So that moment was, I um, guess my partner's away at the moment, so it was, you know, going off and having fun, dressing up for this ABBA concert going off with you guys or staying home, you know, and doing, doing stuff. And this concert was long planned. And so he said, so I guess you're choosing uh, friends over, over your son. (laughs) So we had this conversation about how actually friends, joy, fun, that this is part of all our lives. And, and, and for him too, when he thinks about getting together with his friend, even just going to the little co-op near us and meeting and buying some sweets, Mm. that feeling i tried to get him to connect with that feeling of what that meant and he got it you know he was 14 but he got that feeling of ha huh, yeah there's something there about honoring myself mm-hmm. and and you know i still messaged him a lot while i was there i sent him photographs I also explained the whole concept of how it worked because he was fascinated it by was the lovely. avatars.
0: You shared it with all of us about actually how it yeah. was made
1: and that came yeah. back to us. But that tear is you're exactly right. It's that it's like how do you do that? How do you how do you hold those two spaces? And and I feel that like it that there's a lot of parallels there in a way for you, is aren't there? Like how do you hold those two worlds, one of incredible life force and all that you do and the other of the your potential you know dying yes
0: I know I think it's something that guides me every day when I wake up because I'm so aware of that there's a limit and that thinking of a 60 70 80 might not be an option for me And that saying yes to something today might be the last time that I say yes to it. I'm planning a holiday with my parents in South Africa next year. And every time I think about it, I think, how many more will there be? And how do I want that to be as if it's that last holiday? But when you and I spoke about it before, Jane, there were a lot of parallels to adopting children versus having your own children as well. Do you... Find how people comment on it. Um, adopted children versus your own triggers something
1: in your mind. Yeah, I, you're right. I mean, there, and there's a big difference, you know, um, from having them from scratch, as I call it. Um, but I, I, I think that it's also that people always have opinions. They always have opinions on your life. Um, so you know. As we were saying, it's easy for people to say, well, everybody's dying, but unless you actually are or you're aware of it, you're conscious of it, then um, it's not the same. And it's the same thing of all children are the same, but actually uh, they're not. And all adopted children have a wound. It's called the primal wound. And I remember when I when I first was um had done this somebody who had 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 an adopted child gave me this book called the primal wound and I thought well that doesn't apply to me you know that my child won't have this primal wound which is a little bit naive I kind of knew I knew that that wasn't so but the point is is that now I appreciate that she actually had a very interesting perspective because she'd been on that journey but a lot of people uh, who do comment on on your child um don't have that experience and and i think it's this idea of when we are with people that have a shared experience we will take their input in a different way when when they don't have our experience then we we can't we don't and we have to live our own experience and i think one thing this has taught me and maybe same for you is is that nobody can define my path through through this process, you know everybody's different. Everyone has who has children has a different process, whether they're adopted or not adopted. Um, everyone's situation is unique. So how do how do we find that split that place? How do we find that place to live fully from there? And, and that's what I work with a lot of my clients on because they're in jobs they don't particularly like. Um, they're having to do things that they don't particularly want to do. Um, this whole pandemic has changed people's priorities and values. So for me, it's about reconnecting with your values and then re- always reminding myself what those values are and looking to live from that and taking input from others' where it's useful, but not letting that define me. Oh, it sounds so ideal. I I think if I
0: could take a biggest gift to myself, it would be to understand my values and just live by it. But I think there's so many other things that get in the way, like... Um, you know, that you don't want to hurt people around you or you don't want to come across selfish if your value is being unselfish. And that I sometimes wish I could just live by all that theory every day and be a bit braver about it. But I suppose I'm fortunate that I'm surrounded by people having a Bellini next to you at the um, Abba experience, um, knowing that uh, those people will input and challenge you
1: to be a bit braver every yeah, be a bit braver every day. And Zelda, I my sense of you is as I've always known you in the last few years, is you are that warrior princess. You know? It's like I, I as we were saying, it it, it it's easy to, to, to live the way you do when you don't have a constraint. But you do it anyway. In a brighter, more amazing way, the things that you do, the trips you take, the the energy that you have and and i I've always wondered what your secret is sure. because my sense is that I almost want to challenge you on this is my sense is you almost do know your values and and you're honoring those and i'm I just wonder how you do that. Yeah, I think that's what this podcast is a little bit about,
0: about me exploring that and wanting to give it a bit further to others as well, because I have had the most phenomenal journey since I've been diagnosed. I'm feeling more deeply connected to my life and those around me. I feel happier. I am having more adventure and I feel my priorities are so clear that I know what to say yes to. And I suppose a bit of it is being blessed with an optimistic personality. I think it must be hard to wake up and see the dark side every day. And I don't. I see the light and the friendship and um, the potential Of what I can achieve. I also think that I have a never-ending sense of wanting to take part in something and adventure. Some would say I have a fear of missing out. I've challenged that. I don't think it's so much a fear of missing out as it is just to be part of every experience that'll enrich and grow me in life. And I suppose somehow it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. When you go out there and you do things, Adventure happens and you meet people
1: and it grows, um, it grows your life. I love that. I love that. I I almost, yeah, I want to take that that sentence of somehow you get out there. It's this idea of taking action. You take action, the action you can, and then the rest happens. It's like, uh, for me, it's always this line of what is mine to do and you know what, what is the line between between doing and letting things happen, and yeah. and I think that you kind of nailed it in a way that you've got to get out there, and then things happen, and and taking and, that step, yeah. isn't it?
0: I I think it's that in a moment, taking stock and going right. This I can't do anything about. My yes. cancer diagnosis is what it is. Um. But what can I do a few things about? And uh, connecting with someone, reaching out, saying yes to an adventure you get invite, invited on, um, I suppose is the one thing you can do. And it's right, yes. That, yeah. But I like that you said it's that balance as well between constant action and sometimes just going when is it reflection time to just yeah. take stock as action, well reflection action reflection
1: yeah and and we you know we we perhaps haven't ever talked about this, but there's there's clearly you know there's there's some deep faith there, everyone has different things that drive them, some people you know have spiritual practices or rituals but but I find that a ritual of some kind for myself um and again, you know, I, I reflect that in, in, in my coaching practice, of, like for asking people, and this is corporate, you know, coaching, so you're not typically there having these conversations. You're there more about productivity and all of that stuff. But it's actually like, what do you do each day to for you? What do you do to connect in and find that place of stillness? And from that place of stillness, then you decide where you want to put your energy. So that stillness... Combined with action, it gives you the ability to keep going. It does for me, and and I get that sense from you that there's there's practices that you must have, and I'm interested in what those might be. You've asked me my next
0: question that <laughs> I was going to ask you, so we can both answer that. And that is, what is your your top tips for living well? So I think you've already given your action reflection. So while you think of another one, I suppose. Um, for me relationships are very important uh, to nurture them and have them because I've always said if I have a friend that will bloody just kick me up the butt when I decide I don't want to get up anymore I've achieved a lot in life and I've had that where somebody should say to me that is enough of a pity party now we're going to see what we can do next so I suppose my Mine would be relationships. Yeah, they're
1: important. Yeah, relationships, and there's something about the things you choose to do for fun. There's a lot of fun there. So I...
0: that that I think, if if um, if I could say a second top tip, it would be I just think life is what it is. How much joy and fun and laughter you get out of it, you can't wait for it to come your way. In a way, you have to get it yourself. Now, that doesn't always serve me that well because I avoid a little bit looking at what the day-to-day happenings in the world are. I sometimes find if I focus um, immediately on the news or the radio, it brings me down. So I know Oprah Winfrey Um, one said this, she never gets into a car where the radio is on because then that determines her mood. She chooses when she gets in what she listens to. And I love that. You know, when I'm in my house or in my car, I like choosing what I listen to because I think that changes your state and keeps you in a positive um, state
1: or could bring you down. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think thinking about it I'm consciously not automatically going to the news it's Mm -hmm. not the first thing I do so making the first thing that you do something that nurtures you for me nature so and beauty there's something about nature and beauty and the two are very interconnected and they're very simple as well and um I, it's interesting that for example the finns and i do a lot of work with finland they're considered to be one of the happiest nations okay. uh in the world maybe even the top and it's and and there's a lot most people they every day they have some connection to nature and so for me walking every day sometimes at dusk sometimes at dawn um wherever i happen to be and it's some kind of mindfulness, but it's not that spiritual, really. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just taking in the beauty and then consciously, like you're saying, not choosing to have MSN pop up or whatever it is, uh, the automatic thing. So choosing what I read, mm-hmm. um, the music. Yeah. So all Music's it, a big senses. state change, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what? Yeah, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? It's like what would be? What what what's a state change in music? what, what is your favorite state changing mu- music? Because that I've not thought about it, but there's definitely things that music that I would choose that would lift. Calm, yeah. Whatever state you want, you can create through music.
0: And to be conscious of that, find it, have it on tap to know, okay, I'm being pulled down a little bit. What is that happy thing that – and whatever it is. And if you can dance to it, even better. Even better. To get you out of it. It's interesting. I, I don't know about this winter. I'm finding it got dark. I don't know whether – I've traveled so much and I've been to a lot of sunny places this year, but I'm finding this winter – has come to me quite suddenly and I'm finding it dark and quite grey. I also spent four days in Norway last week and I got huge respect for the Norwegians because that snow on the ground and then the greyness of the sky with the sun that never really comes up. I came back needing a few days to just sort of take a deep deep breath and find that joy again. Mm -hmm. And I find that the winters as simple where I'm training for a park run or getting out in spite of the weather are the ones that my mood sustains best through winter if i don't have those bits of getting out as simple like you say going for a walk around the run, block the run what whatever whatever those are the winters that i find i survive best and i'm at the moment feeling i uh, I don't know. It also, don't, uh, for me, I'm much more conscious about energy. So my house is always subtropical when you walk into it, and of course, we're all conscious a bit now about how much warmth we have around us yeah. and light. And that's going to be interesting how that's going to impact us at the at the end of winter with slightly colder and less light houses. Yeah. Whether that's going to have an impact on us? Hey,
1: well, definitely. And again, to quote the Finns. Um, the best phrase I ever heard was there's no such thing as bad weather, only the wrong clothes. And, and so, you know, yeah, make, you know, wrapping up. Um, I work mostly in a, in a conservatory that is actually quite cold. So putting a lot of base layers on, um, there's something about being warm. There really is. And, 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 so like for me, I like to go to the sauna and there's a sauna, my my gym, um, walking, you know, with even practical things like having over trousers that keep the warmth in and under under thermals and having those somehow when I'm warm, then I feel grounded and connected. And I'm sure a lot of people can probably relate to this. This winter thing, and i I do think we have an added challenge now with people are people are not turning their heating on mm, um, exactly. but but open fires if they've got yeah. them we we light the wood burner, um piling the logs on you know that that kind of warmth on the external can fuel the warmth on the internal as well
0: well, when I was expecting top tips from a very experienced coach. Good base layers wasn't exactly what I was expecting
1: to take. That. Yeah, it sounds like I'm 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 an exercise coach, which I definitely am not. And and but it is I, interesting, isn't it? Like, but I need yeah. that because you know, coming from
0: South Africa, I still look out the window and go, "Oh, the sun's shining," and leave. I'm here without a coat today. I go, "Oh, that's a nice day." I don't know how many years I'm going to have to live here before I have the right socks, base layers, coat, hats, gloves. It's- it's, it's an art. Anyway, I'm putting that on my top tips for surviving this yeah. winter. Definitely, just stay warm. <laughs>
1: stay warm, and and and. Uh, um, a lot of people are sort of over saturated with the idea of vision boards, but yeah. actually, again, um, having a vision board with sunshine, with the things that you want to do. I we, we have a vision board. We have a family vision board that we created I created with input from the family we have it all over the house so when you're the same one so when you look at it you're lifted now you can apply that in a corporate context as well you know what is your vision and I had a client recently who who wants to kind of go up a level in the organization and we looked at his vision board and all his clothes everything was gray and we realized that it wasn't so much about going up in the organization it was more about becoming more technicolor, so he's changed out his board and it's now got colour and 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 so seeing this, you know we know that that's having an effect on our subconscious mind, isn't it? what we see, what we experience all of that is changing our inner state, breathing mm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you do a lot of bre- I mean, no, you do a lot of breathing. <laughs> we all <laughs> daily do daily breathing. <laughs> but like conscious breathing. Yeah.
0: Uh, doing, yeah. I don't I don't enough, but I I have my uh meditation app and I go to a big a long yoga class every every uh week that reminds me of that breathing. And certainly when I'm in a stressful moment, I remind myself of those little practices. Not enough. Yes. But even those few minutes just to go, I, I have a little mind motto that goes. Breathe through this. And when I feel emotion deeply, a deep pain, a deep disappointment, a deep fear, which I do every time before I get my scan results, my mental motto is breathe through this. Because if there's one thing I've learned is that this too shall pass. And by breathing through a moment, the next moment's not the same as the moment before. It's now. It's now.
1: Yeah, and the power I, of now.
0: And if you can breathe through three moments, and if that's not enough, breathe through five moments. At some stage, you'll arrive in another moment than the one you're in now, and you would have breathed through it. So top, top, top. Beautiful. So, so far, staying warm, breathing. Light, vision boards, Now, I'm nature. a big fan of a vision board. I must say, in every big moment of my life, I physically sat with magazines and torn them out. and. It's not once. Often it's happened to me that I've put up this vision board on the inside of my cupboard and in a way forgotten about it and find it six months, a year later, and look at it and go, just that practice has already geared my mind in a way where I'm in a better place. And that's reminded me, a friend who's going through a very hard time that I spoke to over this weekend, that's going to be my next tip for her is in this time However unrealistic it sounds, build that vision board now.
1: That's a very good one. It's interesting, isn't it, how what you put on the vision board often, it just shows up. Um, I have a little mini story on that. But before that, more on the process of it. You know, you can just open up a a Word document or a PowerPoint and then grab images of, uh, say, Google, Google Images and, and and. and create your board like that. So actually, it's, it's easier than, because I always I used to cut, cut stuff out. I belong you. to a little group that, where we used to do that. But you don't always have the right magazines. Mm. So now I get, I will say to myself, or I'll say to, to my coaching clients, like, find something, an image that represents balance for you. Find an image that represents positivity. And that might not be the same image as it is for me. Yes, that's right. Cut it out or, you know, like as in virtually cut it out, take a snapshot of it, put it on your vision board, arrange it, um, and then see what happens. And
0: And do you divide your vision board into categories? Do you go uh, me as a mum, me as a partner, financially, spiritually, or do you just go the future of my life? What are the
1: questions you ask yourself as you're building a vision board? Yeah, I mean, I think you do think of the different areas, um, but I think more of the qualities and also that you can have more than one vision board. Of course. So you can have, I think it's important to have a vision board that is embodies your values and your priorities. Mm. So, you know, that could be your role as a mother, your role as a coach, your role as whatever it is, right? And so... So it's for yourself. And, you know, and so if health is important, um, then, you know, you, you would have an area, but I wouldn't necessarily segment it formally, because often if you do it electronically, it's it kind of arranges it for you, but also putting some words on it. I like words uh, on yeah. it. Yeah, I am statements. I mean, a lot of this stuff will be very known to your listeners. But, you know, I am, you know, I am incredibly healthy or I, I am, you know, strapping I... out or whatever.
0: Exactly. I I did a vision board once and my friend Claire challenged me and said, you're training for a huge ultramarathon and there's only a tiny bit on your vision board around it. Why isn't it expanded? And she helped me then create an I am vision board. I am a runner, not I run. And how... In the year leading up to this ultra marathon, changed my identity yeah. and my aim and why I was doing it. So that when I understood when I was running eight hours on a grey Saturday, which um, uh, yeah took up my whole Saturday, I'd remember I'm doing this because I am a runner. It is an achievement. It's going to leave a legacy beyond just chemo and and uh, sickness for my children. Uh, there was something about that vision board that saw me through 100 kilometers running,
1: yeah, which is amazing. such a
0: powerful thing. So those I am statements, very, very important to have those words on there, too. Yeah. Yeah. Because
1: we're all, you know, we could be visual. We could be more words based. Um, and... and uh, how, it, how the the magic of it in some ways. I, I remember putting on there a photograph when when I went back to the U.S. to do the adoption process. I put a picture of San Diego that was like just one I could find. It wasn't where I'd planned to live, mm. and um, by circumstance ended up renting this house. Walked out onto the deck. The view on my vision board was the view that I was looking at. Oh my goodness. And so al- although it sounds a bit woo-woo sometimes, in fact, there is, I mean, there is a science behind this, isn't it? Your mind kind of focuses and concentrates on the things that you put out there. Um, and so you're subconsciously um, gathering evidence to support what's on your vision board. Yeah. It's, it's it's yeah, so it, it's, it I think it's, what it does is it anchors. It, it's having these anchors to bring us back to the things that we might forget when we get caught up in either day-to-day or in in, in fear or whatever it is. I'm sitting here
0: thinking, uh, it's time for me to build one again. You know, It's so easy to bumble along and bumble along happily, but that something of setting intent is incredibly
1: powerful. So thank you
0: for reminding me of that.
1: I can think of a, a feel a party coming on. Feel a part of vision yeah. board Everybody party. Everybody there with their laptops or their magazines. Uh, a few uh, mango bellinis <laughs> building next year's vision board.
0: I could absolutely see it coming on. Texting already. Um so, uh, yeah, great top tips for living well. Um, I think my next question was something around what, because it's something I think about as well in terms of a vision board, is what would the three things be that
1: you'd like to be remembered by? Oh, yeah, sort of remembered for for who I am. Yeah, yeah. I, and it's interesting because this came... You know, I, I went to a funeral recently of, of someone that w- died before their time, and it was incredible to hear the outpouring um, of love and admiration and, and from all angles, work, home, friends, lifelong friends. And it does make you think, like, what would I want my legacy to be? And um, I think it is to have made a difference, to have been a good friend, and to 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 be kind and loving, and you know in the making a difference, it's definitely through work and but just everywhere touching people being a light um that would be important it less about you know did 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 you swim the channel or or what mountain did you climb which I love that stuff, but actually in the end it's about. It is. What you said about the most important thing, it's about relationships, isn't it? When you think about legacy, you think about, have you made a difference to people? Have you improved, enriched their life as a result of your presence?
0: I love that. I am always reminded of Marion Williamson, who said, I perhaps can't change the world or or... Make an impact on that level, but I can mind my corner of the universe. Love it. Hey, and I often ask myself, What's my corner of the universe? Where can <laughs> I make a
1: difference today? And what is your leg? What would you like your legacy to be? Mine. Just to flip the question back. Ah. I
0: suppose I'd like to be remembered for playing the cards that I has dealt very well. Uh, you know, that we can't choose what comes our way. Uh, in terms of life circumstances, but we can really within those confinements, confinements make something good out of it i'd like i 'd like people to say, "Oh my goodness, she did the best with that um, with that hand of cards um, i'd like everybody in my life to know that they loved and loved for who they are i and that's a learning for me. You know, I'm great on the Home Improvement Committee, thinking <laughs> that I can help everybody be a little better. And it's a learning for me to know that people are who they are for a reason and also because that's how they choose to be. And they all contribute to the spice of life. I don't have to help them be anything else. So that would be a good one for me to learn. And I suppose that um, to never stop growing. I'd love to. I love um, this. This is so hard for me. You know, I decided to do this podcast to share this journey and it's nerve-wracking for me. And I'm writing a little bit as well, which I don't know. My vocabulary and words are just becoming less and less every year. <laughs> um <laughs> And it's a it's a it's a hard path for me, but I want to do it. I want to carry on learning and give something and see what comes out of it in the end. And because I've chosen this aspect also of dying in my podcast, I'd love to know um, are your ashes being scattered or are you gonna have a bench?
1: <laughs> Can I have both? <laughs> you see, I love that. Why yeah. choose? Yeah, yeah. Why yeah. choose? No, I mean it's yeah, I mean you do I think what's important also underneath the question is that we don't talk about death very well or very often. Oh we should we yes. should. In fact there's um, someone I know, um, I believe that they belong to a group and I think there are groups out there where they get together and they, they, they talk about many things but including death. Um and I think for me, definitely scattered, but not just in one place. So you know, a bit in California, uh, maybe a bit on that beach in Tulum, uh, in the Cotswolds, um, and it, but it's somehow knowing that there's you know, you live on in people's hearts. Yeah, you live on, uh, and it was my own parents that didn't they didn't want a grave. You know, they they said that they're not there. They're just in um, in the way we live our life, so yeah. But but by having these conversations, we normalise something that in our society, particularly, d- d- we don't know how to do death very well. And I was just reading, you know, somewhere of a, I can't remember who it was now, but she said that people are crossing the road, you know, to not talk to her. I think it was um, someone in the media. Um, and, and so, yeah, we need to... By not having crossing this con- because she was dying? or No, no, no. What? no. Her, her husband had died. Her husband the, uh, yeah, had died. Yeah, this was and a singer, were... that rock, oh, okay. uh, singer, that rock singer that okay, just passed. Okay, okay. And, and so the wife, yeah, yeah, said that... Because people don't know what to they say, don't know what say to, to her. Say. Yeah. They don't know what to say. Yeah. And they don't know what to say. Okay. It's not just death in that way, but any difficult situation. Mm. There And so it's about making this conversation as normal as it is yeah. and then uh, and for our children as well thank you for yeah. that and that's so...
0: exactly it why i think that if we can normalize it we take the shame out of it and the failure out of it because yeah. a lot of the language is around you know she lost the battle or um, he gave up or and uh, death is if we can see it as that comma and not a full stop
1: and embrace it yeah and 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 what happens I mean I can ask you that question and you could say in question you can choose to answer it but somehow or other it feels we're more than whether we have a bench or our ashes are scattered <laughs> you know it's somehow it's more than that and this podcast this you know we don't know what's going to happen to any of us but by doing what you're doing with these podcasts you're touching people's lives and that's a legacy Zelda in itself isn't it
0: Oh, Jane thank you and thank you for being my first guest and um, bringing practical but also profound insight into this topic of living and dying thank you so much for that
1: well, thank you for having me, and, I, and I'm loving the journey of everything from thermal underwear to to <laughs> benches important. and ashes, and, and and a lot in between. And yeah, I just I I'm so glad you're doing this, and I'm honoured to be your first person. Thank you. <laughs> to thank, interview. you thank you. Thank you.